This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! What's up, everyone? Welcome into the OBR Film breakdown, recap of the Browns' 16-6 loss uh, at home here to to the Las Vegas, formerly Oakland Raiders. Before we really get going, I am going to jump out ahead of things and warn you that um, my computer, my MacBook, is taking a, a crap, and I am recording this on my iPhone because I'm not sure if my my battery life is going to last here. It's sitting at 1%, even with it plugged in. It has not moved or budged. So a delightful schedule to the Apple store to go get that fixed this week. Um, maybe by the end of the week. Who knows? You know, they're scheduling these things out pretty far. So if the audio is crappier than normal, I apologize ahead of time. Hopefully you can still bear with it and, and, uh, and give this one a listen. Hope your daylight savings time went well. I tweeted out this morning that our son does not care about that. He woke up earlier than normal, really normal schedule, but even earlier than normal. So it has truly been one of the longest days of the year mixed in with this unfortunate loss. So let's talk about what you're here to listen to, which is what happened. Um, you know, listen, the the weather, I wrote down some notes here, and eventually I got to pull up these notes and take a look at exactly what I wanted to talk about. I kind of think about these things all day and after the game and let them stew and then try to record this late at night when, you know, I've gone through my thought process of everything. So um, let's see if we can get these points up. So we'll go through the stats first. We'll talk about these. 16-6 to final. Um, the problem was... Not that either team could really get the passing game going. Baker Mayfield's 12 for 25, a buck 22, and Derek Carr's 15 for 24 for 112 and a touchdown. But, um, you know, the wind was obviously a factor. The sleet, snow, rain combination, a really, really brutal throwing conditions game. You know, we could get a feel for how bad the conditions were right off the bat with that Carlson missed field goal that, you know, worked right to left like a, you know, like a golf shot. I, I mean, just trying to 
trying to hook a golf ball into uh you know a, a green or something some of the best in the world do it was just the football is moving so much you had to aim six yards outside the field goal post to get it to work back inside and that and ended up biting Cleveland later when they tried to kick in the same direction there at the end of the game but for the most part um you could see how bad the the conditions were and I thought that Oakland game planned a little better to handle those than Cleveland did. Um, I certainly thought defensively they they played a heavy dose of in-the-box sets uh, with safeties rolled down to take away run game opportunities. Cleveland only went 14 carries, 66 yards for Kareem Hunt. Dearness Johnson had two for six. Baker Mayfield ends up running six times for 29 yards total. So, you know, on the other side of the ball, and really you could say both sides of the football were dominated up front. Josh Jacobs runs 31 times for 128 yards. Derek Carr chips in with some really annoying runs, especially third down scenarios, six carries, 41 yards. And uh, Devontae Booker runs five times for 29. Jalen Richard runs one time for six. Uh, Alex Gold runs one time for three yards on a fourth down. So, listen, altogether really depressing stuff up front. Neither team had a wide receiver that stood out. You know, Jarvis Landry had four catches for 52 yards. He hauls in those most challenging target of the day. Drops, I think he ended up dropping three other targets. So, really frustrating for Jarvis, especially considering a couple of really well-thrown Baker Mayfield football. So, there's a conversation that needs to be had about Jarvis Landry, the pass catcher, and the inconsistencies with catching the football this year uh, that not many people want to talk about. But, um, you know, he's going to obviously keep playing. I, I mean, they don't have really anybody else to to roll with. They targeted him, like I said, 11 times. Harrison Bryan had three catches uh, for 25. Najoku had one for 19. Uh, each tight end made serious blunders. Bryan fumbling on the first possession. Najoku with that drop um, in one of the Browns' few second-half possessions that killed a drive and set everything kind of in a tailspin at the end of the game. Shard Higgins only gets targeted three times. He has a catch for 14 yards. Kareem Hunt with... Uh, Two catches for seven. So, I mean, listen, the stat lines are really depressing. Uh, Las Vegas ended up running for a majority of their 309 total yards. Cleveland only went for 223. The biggest differences in what changes this game is uh, not even the average gain. It was 4.4 to 4.7 yards gain for Cleveland. Cleveland just didn't run the same amount of plays. 71 plays by Las Vegas to 47 for Cleveland. Uh, massive difference there. Penalties were pretty much the same, 75. The difference is time of possession, 37 minutes, 43 seconds for Las Vegas, and 22 minutes, 17 seconds for Cleveland. Their six total possessions on the day resulted in one of the lowest total possession numbers for a team in a game in the last 30 years. Those tweeted out. Not sure the accuracy of that, but it came from the Associated Press, so it's, it's probably pretty accurate. But, I mean, the thing is, Cleveland, pretty successful when they had the football, some long drives. Just didn't yield points. A drop touchdown, um, you know, obviously the fumble and the opening quarter when they're marching down into Oakland territory and then a missed field goal. And that's like in a game where the field is – the game is so shortened because the Browns can't get Las Vegas off the field. They only really made Las Vegas get rid of the football one time on a punt. That's it. Didn't create any turnovers. Um, <laughs> you know, they, I guess you could count the missed field goal as a, as a kick that they ended up getting off the field, but – yeah, I mean, for, for the game, it was dominated up front. Um, the Browns have some serious issues. I was less convinced that the Browns' run defense, which I think they came into this game with with the uh, fifth overall NFL run defense, and that, that number to me was inflated because 
some of their own doing, creating turnovers and the Browns capitalizing off of them, teams needing to come back in those types of games. So they were playing in situations where teams were forced to pass. And sometimes defense, sorry, opposing offenses were taking the road less travel and saying, we know we can throw on Cleveland for easy yards. Let's just take what's there. So while this game coming into it, you looked at it and you thought, okay, you know, Vegas is down Trent Brown. They're down um, Richie Incognito. They don't run the ball all that well consistently this year. I just wasn't convinced that Cleveland would be able to consistently stop them, much like in the Pittsburgh game where James Conner runs for over 100 yards. I just don't feel like this this run defense is very good, and they haven't been challenged by a ton of teams. And in neutral game situations, I just didn't see them coming up with many stops. Larry Ogunjobi's not playing well. Uh, it's trending in a direction that won't involve him in Cleveland in the long term. Sheldon Richardson's hit or miss against the run, more of a pass rush specialist type on the inside. And then the linebacker play, especially Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, is just terrible today. I mean, they're they're unable to fill gaps. They magnetize to people, and 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 they just play an undisciplined undisciplined brand of run fit football. And it's just you don't have they don't have any guys who are achieving over you know replacement level in on the interior. And it's like you know Vince Vince Taylor, Jordan Elliott are just getting completely blown off the football. I'll have examples up in a writing piece tomorrow, but nobody's displacing people up front. And it's it's a genuine problem sometimes. And you can't blame it on rotation stuff. You know, <laughs> you got to be able to, in a game like this, where you know Vegas does not want to throw the football unless they have to throw it, you have to be able to stop the run. Whichever team could dominate the line of scrimmage is going to win that game. And you could see it, you know, you could see it pretty early going on that this was not going to be a game that Cleveland was going to win unless some things broke in their direction, which they didn't. The drops, two two face mask penalties that kept drives going, marching down the field. Um, the, the the fumble that Derek Carr fumbles but is, is recovered by Booker, who's in the right spot at the right time. Just nothing, you know, even the Jarvis overturned touchdown catch and the and the Renfro touchdown catch that was that was upheld. Nothing really was breaking Cleveland's way. So they didn't have the firepower to overcome it, and they shot themselves in the foot too often, and that's what happens. I think, to me, personally, it felt like a team looking forward to the bye week, thought they could just show up at home. Raiders are traveling from West Coast to East Coast for a 1 o'clock game. Those are very normally games in which the West Coast team kind of craps the bed, and, and it's a schedule win with air quotes there. You know, mixing the Raiders' issues up front. Uh, both sides of the ball with injuries, and I just think Cleveland kind of overlooked it. They overlooked the game. They played passively. Uh, they did not play in an aggressive nature, in my opinion, that, that said the team was hungry to go get a win. They were looking forward to the bye week, and this stuff happens. It's the NFL. The Raiders were hungry coming off getting embarrassed at home by Tampa Bay, and uh, you know a lot of the, the, the doubt was going on from, from, from people across the country, and then nobody believes in this narrative happens, and all of a sudden... You know, Cleveland doesn't get the breaks, and, and the team that plays harder, the team that controls the line of scrimmage, ends up winning the game. So, you know, it's a little bit of what you're looking at, and, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. This is the most disappointed I've been throughout the year. I would imagine Kevin Stefanski feels much the same. I thought the two losses that were on their schedule were, were games against teams that have better continuity going into those games. Obviously, have been together longer and have more skill in general. Wasn't surprised they lost those games at all, but this one was one where I thought if the the Browns showed up, played hard, played smart, they were going to be fine and have a really good chance to win, and uh, they didn't do that. And I thought that was really disappointing and frustrating, and it just kind of it had a feel of old time Browns football games that I hated sitting through where they couldn't muster a stop on third down 
or a stop on fourth down. I think the Raiders win 10 for 17 or 10 for 14 on on third and fourth down stops combined. Or third, sorry, third and fourth, third and fourth down situations combined. So really, really frustrating game. And you know the narrative of Cleveland got, letting a Las Vegas team come in and control them in the weather. Well, that's silly, man. None of these guys. How many of these guys in Cleveland are, are cold weather guys? Not a ton of them have played consistent cold weather football. So acting like guys are they're Cleveland tough or, or this isn't they didn't grow up in Cleveland. They didn't. Some of them didn't grow up playing north uh, in the north uh, football in cold weather in, in October, November, December. So <laughs> it's just a silly thing. Like we are used to it, but these guys who come to the to the franchise aren't used to it. So until guys have been here. Three, five, seven, ten years, you don't have proven cold weather football players. There's still a ton of variables there. So, like, welcoming them into Cleveland when this cold, well, the Cleveland cold weather could bother Cleveland just as much. And I didn't feel like they were prepared for it today. Uh, just looked like a group that did not want to be out there uh, for a majority of the game and just went through the motions in some aspects. And they're not good enough. This team is not good enough to go through the motions. So, that caught up with them. But again, a, a narrative, a thing to remind folks of is listen they're five and three at the at the break this is a, a record that we all thought this group could get to um and if we and if they did we would be pleased and they're there so there's four to five winnable games the rest of the way if you look at at jacksonville you know you have home for houston and home for philly right out of the bye week you have a game in tennessee which will be challenging but as a team that, as we all know, having proven today, can be beat. Cincinnati beats them pretty comfortably. And then you mix in the two New York games on the road, but games against inferior opponents that they should win. Can they get to 10 wins? Absolutely. There are five wins to be had on the second half of the schedule. It's probably more realistic they get to nine wins. But they're still in position, still very, very well in position to get to 9-10 wins and make the playoffs. This game against Las Vegas could be a problem, especially if both teams win nine games and they have the head-to-head. Um, kind of the same way it was a big deal when Cleveland beat Indy, who's now 5-2 and two, and had the head-to-head. But we won't freak out about that because that's far down the line. But I would just say sometimes in the NFL, some teams come in, they're better prepared to play. They took care of business. We'll talk about the defensive scheme this week on article-based things, and we'll do a video on YouTube this week. We'll talk about it, what's going on. Uh, the margin for error for this defense is razor thin, and they cannot mess anything up. You hope, hope, hope that Miles Garrett's MRI comes back clean. They can get Wyatt Teller back. They can approach getting Nick Chubb back by late next week, and they can start getting back to a sense of normalcy with this group that is still has enough talent, uh, plenty of talent, in my opinion, to win the necessary games to make the playoffs for the first time. And we're going to, since 2002, three, whatever, right in that range. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, uh, we remind you folks, great things going on at Indeed, you know, reminding you that even though businesses, um, sorry, even though sports shut down, businesses didn't, and you got to continue to make those important hires for your company. And Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed gives you powerful tools such as sponsored jobs that are three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. 
with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each and every month. Indeed's going to get you that important hire that you need for your company, just like they have for over 3 million other businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means your quality candidates will be able to see it and you'll be able to hire those folks fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's the best offer available anywhere, folks. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All one word there. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. So we're going to close with this, keeping this one short and sweet before we really do a cumulative breakdown at some point here during the buy. Um, and I'm trying to keep it short and sweet because I don't know how long this computer is going to last. It's kind of frustrating. i got to put everything in and load it up, and hopefully we can get it to work. But um, the trade deadline approaches and, and the theory surrounding it. Um, Here's my opinion, and you, you might not agree with it, and that's okay. There's a faction of Browns fans that are very smart who understand uh, what's at play here, uh, that the long game, saving draft capital, saving financial dollars for the right times to pounce with this group makes sense. So, you know, not going into the trade deadline and selling too many crazy things, such as first or second round picks, and, and you know, holding on to those valuable extra picks in the third and fourth round Instead of, you know, bringing in like an Avery Williamson type rental for a year that isn't going to solve anything. There are players out there that can be had that uh, can change things, though. That can really change your secondary. That can change, you know, an offensive weapon when you think you need an offensive weapon. Or can change the defensive line because Lord knows the defensive line could use a little bit of help, especially along the interior. My theory is as follows. I would, if I were Andrew Barry... Kevin Stefanski sitting down in a room talking about this, looking at their roster, rating how their first half of the season has gone. I would consider being as aggressive as I could within reason. Because if you are able to take the Browns team to their first playoff appearance in nearly 20 years, that grants you some leniency. You've done something that nobody else has done uh, in a long time for this franchise, for this city. You're doing something um, special, like I said. Even though it's just the playoffs, it is special. And you're proving that even in a weird year, pandemic year, a lot of problems going on, short planning, um, you can do some pretty great things. That will buy you a lot of time for this franchise. So while publicly Jimmy Haslam might support the theory, we're going to be patient, we're going to give this group time, history doesn't favor that. And the Browns are in a situation right now that is really rare, where you have a pretty solid record, you have a bye week to get healthy, slash also the ability to make a trade or two and bring somebody in and have them... Uh, have enough time to, to to go through COVID testing, all of those necessary things to clear to come into the building without missing a game. You have time to acclimate them to the system, which is important because a guy can't just come in and play. It's not basketball. It's not and it's not freewheeling that can be done. It is a position in football, whatever position it is. You have duties, responsibilities, and as much prep time as as, as possible is important. Yes, six and two probably pushes you over the edge to do a bit more, but in my opinion, you have like I said earlier, five, six, seven. Games left. I don't know how many they have left. What are their five and three? Um, I don't know. What is it? Ten games left? Something like that? Am I losing my mind? Ten games plus nine games? I don't know. I'm not great at math. I'm an English major. But they have plenty of games left. They have the second half of the year. And they have an opportunity with four to five, I think five very winnable games. And then you also have Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And at the end of the year, Pittsburgh, who currently sits 7-0, and could be packing it in for the playoffs to get an extra bye week. So... You have an opportunity to win plenty of games with a schedule that sets up very, very favorably down the road. You don't know if this opportunity is going to present itself. You could go the rest of the way. The Browns don't make any changes. They sit pat. They don't make any moves. And they maybe go 8-8. Eight and eight. 
miss the playoffs. Not devastating in theory. Come back the next year. We're going to be better. Time to rebuild this defense. All of that's still in play. And even if they do this, what I'm talking about, still in play. I personally think you just can't risk it with the way this with the way this city operates, and if the if the quarterback takes a downturn the rest of the year, all of a sudden you're looking at a rebuild the quarterback position, you're looking at a rebuild of your defense, and you're telling yourself, man, things are really getting uncomfortable here. Um, and then you maybe start the year, maybe your schedule comes out, which you have no clue what your schedule is going to be right now. Maybe your schedule comes out, and it's much like the Texans, who have had a ridiculous first half of the season schedule-wise, where they played some of the NFL's best teams, and they start one and six, two and six, and they're you know I think they're one and five or one and six right now. I couldn't tell you, but they're they're bad, and their pick is belonging to somebody else. But that's neither here nor there. But what I'm talking about is the schedule difficulties. You know, if you look at last year's schedule, the beginning of the year schedule was brutal for the Browns, and it cost Freddie Kitchens his job. I think that probably happened no matter what way you look at it. But from the first portion of the year, the schedule was challenging. And you can lose a team starting 2-4, and 2-5, and five, and the season's over. Even though the second half of your schedule's pretty easy. The Browns have this rare scenario where they got off to a pretty good start in one of the more challenging portions of their year, and the second half of the year set up well. It doesn't always work out that way. And my point being here, that if this is the situation for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, they should say we should go all in to get to the playoffs and prove that we can get to what games matter and do something that could buy us a long stretch of time here. You get this team to the playoffs, you get this organization to the playoffs for the first time, like I said, in 20 years. And whether that is a first round knockout or maybe you upset somebody, who knows? But the point is getting there and what that can do for you to help your job security in a place that is the ultimate (laughs) job security fraud that is the Browns organization. You need to do whatever you can do within reason. I'm not talking about selling off people for dumb trades, but if Quentin Williams is available, consider making that deal. You need help up front. It's a very big deal. Defensive lines win football games in the NFL. If it's within reason, and I'm talking within reason of even maybe considering taking your first round pick that direction, I'm not against it. I think you should really try to be aggressive to do whatever it takes to find Gilmore's out there. Uh, Desmond King is out there. Do whatever you can uh, to, in this situation to, to maximize the window of opportunity you have in this franchise right now, especially with this schedule. So look, I don't know what way they're going to go. I don't know what they're going to do, but I would not be surprised if they went that route. And I would, I would, if I were in their position, I would not blame them. But I don't even. I, listen, I don't know what's being told behind closed doors. Maybe Jimmy Haslam has made some guarantees among guarantees, and you you start to believe him, and you think you're going to get that four, five, six years to get this thing done. But if you're looking at what the data tells you, based on who's had my job in the past and how things have gone, even though. Some promises of patience have been made. I would really be considering doing what I need to do to make sure I get to the playoffs right now and see what this team is made of. That's just my opinion. Could be wrong, ultimately. I would urge you again to consider that even though you are smart, just like I think I am, and understand that they're probably playing the long game here, and the long game might be the smart game to play, there's another faction of social media Browns fans who are not smart, a very large faction, And even the ones that aren't on social media are even less patient, understanding about decision-making processes and missing the playoffs in this kind of year. And what could happen next year? Next year is never guaranteed. You don't don't know. You don't know what the schedule will look like. So that's my uh, tangent I had to to talk about, about uh, where they go with the trade deadline. We'll see if anything uh, manifests over the next week or so before the trade deadline passes. Uh, We'll keep our eyes on that. We'll be ready to podcast whenever we need to if we need to. Before we close, betonline.ag, make sure you're going there. 
great opportunities to win money. Just try to parlay today for a couple hundred bucks. Make sure you're going there and doing those offerings that are available to get that welcome bonus. It's going to get you opportunities to bet using house money, wagering on anything from player lines to game lines to half times to props, whatever you want. It's all there. Season long things are still available too. Go to betonline.ag, take advantage of those sign up bonuses. Like I said, that's using the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline.ag, use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Your online sportsbook experts at BetOnline. Make sure you go there. And again, this.ag. So that's what we're going to close with today. Um, again, calm down. Five and three. can still work out this year. Plenty of winnable games. I'm bummed out the same way you're bummed out. It sucked. It's an unfortunate outcome. Uh, but these things, like I said, sometimes... You know, you might be ready to play. You might be ready to to sit and run through a brick wall at home and you're jacked up about a game, but sometimes professional athletes just don't perform well. And the other team with other guys who are paid the same way your guys are to make plays happen on the field, make more plays than your team does. I'm disappointed. You're disappointed. But it's a bye week. Sit back, relax, enjoy the fact that your team is 5-3 and three and in the, in the hunt of the playoffs and have a real chance in the second half to make some noise and uh, and, and hopefully break this playoff curse. Consider what I said about the trade deadline. I think there's some legs to it, something that they should be considering, heavily considering, especially considering teams that are in a selling mood at this point in the year and are willing to to, to make deals uh, for the right pieces at the right price and, and teams that have the capital like Cleveland does with extra mid-round picks and and uh, extra cap space. So, you know, I'll throw my hands in the air, take it for what it's worth. So, listen, enjoy your bye week. We will probably come back with a pod late this week to talk about midseason review stuff. Uh, we will see how this computer situation shakes out. It's not great right now. We'll try to get a Baker Mayfield film room up on YouTube like we normally do on Tuesday night as well. So if you've been joining us for those, greatly appreciated. Um, so, yeah, until next time, guys, take a, take a, take a breath. Enjoy your week. Stay safe. And uh, as usual, go Browns. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.